Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and on this episode, I have a very special guest with me. But before I get to that, let me say that this is a co-production on behalf of the Discussing Network, which is co-produced alongside our Discussing Comics podcast. And of course, that is our comic book, sci-fi, and TV podcast. Why is it co-produced? Well, I invited a gentleman on to talk to me, and once we got started talking, we moved past Doctor Who to get into comic books. We got into um, a little bit of The Walking Dead. We got into a little bit of everything, actually. So having said that, I thought that the best way to showcase this particular episode would be to get it out on both feeds, Doctor Who, as well as Discussing Comics. I want to begin also by apologizing to this gentleman. I had hoped to have this episode out a couple of weeks ago, but unfortunately, due to an illness, I was unable to do that. But thanks to Time Lord technology, I've regenerated a little bit and ready to put out the episode. So who is the gentleman I'm talking about? Well, if anyone has listened to episode number 76 of Discussing Who, you know that I am a fan of people who react to television shows. And the first person whom I interviewed as part of this series of interviews, I guess, that I'm doing uh, was Jessica from the Seska Says uh, YouTube channel. So go check out uh, episode number 76, put us on pause, come back and, uh, you know, of course, listen to this. While I was listening to Jessica, watching Jessica react to, of course, Doctor Who, I searched for more and I also saw some of the feedback that was in the comments and there was a gentleman who caught my attention and I started watching his stuff too. And this is Alex, who is also known as Torchwood Boy. So I had the opportunity to sit down and talk to Alex and just like with Jessica, it was 45, 55 minutes later and I'm thinking, hey, I told him that I was only going to keep him for an hour because if I had not have stopped the conversation, I had a feeling that the conversation could have lasted easily two to three hours. The guy was so fantastic, so kind, and answered all the questions that I had. Can't wait to have him back on, and I totally can't wait to share this episode with you. So on behalf of Discussing Who, Discussing Comics, and of course, the Discussing Network, and which, of course, I would be not doing what I'm supposed to do without saying check out DiscussingNetwork.com and also check us out on Patreon. Follow us on Patreon. You can do that at Patreon.com slash Discussing Network. So just in case, if you have not listened to some of his reactions where he has seen current up to Doctor Who and some of the other things that we might discuss. I just want to go ahead and give a general discussing spoiler warning because from henceforth, spoilers. 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 Welcome back, everyone. 
And as I was saying just a moment ago, we have a special guest with us on this episode, Alex Smith of Torchwood Boy from YouTube. Alex, how are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I can't complain. You know, you are officially the second YouTube reactor along with Jessica from Seska Says. So I would consider you in great company. How about that? Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, she's uh, she's brilliant. So I have a question with you uh, to get started with reactions. What prompted you to start a YouTube channel? Let's start from the very beginning. Oh, flashbacks. Um, well, really, it was, it was kind of, uh, I was watching, obviously, like watching Doctor Who, as every sane person should, and, um, I was just like, I got into, like, YouTube, like, looking at people's reviews, and I started seeing reactions, and I saw reactions by the chic geeks who did the drunk reactions. Yes. Um, and then I saw reactions by Redbeard. Uh, and, and I was just like, you know what? I think I could, I could give this a shot. And so it really only started off for Doctor Who for me. I was like, I'll just do Doctor Who. And then it sort of progressed from there. Interesting. Uh, so talking Doctor Who. So tell me, you said something that I want to ask. Can I use again? Which is any sane person would be watching Doctor Who. I absolutely love that. <laughs> so how did you find Doctor Who? Cause you know, being in America, being in the U.S., it wasn't, I would say, even though Doctor Who has been known, you know, ever, all yeah. of my lifetime, it's just different in the U.K. So how did you come about Doctor Who? Um, I actually, I can, I can remember the first time I ever saw Doctor Who. Uh, I was down with my stepmom and uh, we were... I don't remember. We were down where she where she was from, where her family lived, and I walked into the living room, and there was this thing on TV, and there was this man with a leather jacket, and he was yelling at um, this big orange goo, and I was like, "What's this? What's this all about?" It turned out obviously it was the Doctor and the nesting consciousness, um, but I was like, "What's this all about?" So from there, I used to sit on a Saturday night with my grandma, and we used to watch every episode. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, but in, in England, Doctor Who is this, it's like, you guys have, um, your amendments. We have, we have Doctor Who. <laughs> you know, we have our, everyone knows it. We have our Bill of Rights. You have the, uh, 13 or 14 or 15 lives of the Doctor. That's it. Yes. That is really it. There, I don't think there's a person in England who doesn't know of Doctor Who. It's one of those shows. So that brings up an interesting, you know, question. Obviously, you came in with the ninth Doctor. So in your, exploration of Doctor Who, what did you think of seeing and finding out about all these other Doctors that stretched back at the time 40-something years? It was kind of crazy, and to be honest, I've sort of, I remember watching a third Doctor story. Um, I don't know if it was before, I didn't really know what it was, but I didn't know if it was before or after um, Doctor Who used to air in the, when it came back for series one. Um, and I remember watching a third Doctor story, and at the time I was like, wow, this seems really, really cool. And I look back at it, and it, and it, it has aged so well. And so for me to be watching those kind of things at, at like 10, 11 years old and actually be engaging in something from the 1970s is insane. Um, and then, of course, you learn about all the Doctors, and you learn about you know how it's evolved and how they've evolved and regenerated and carried on. And I just think 
I, I remember just thinking it was incredible, and I still do, to be honest. All right. So when you were watching The Ninth Doctor and you started watching, did, did you know about the concept of regeneration, or did you find out about that while watching The Ninth Doctor regenerate? Yeah, it was it was definitely The Ninth Doctor regenerating. Um, that sort of because I mean when when that I was how old was I? I would have been nine, ten when Doctor Who was back on air. Um, so it was definitely uh, the Doctor regenerating. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, you know, I'll go back and tell you a little bit of my um, observation or indoctrination is a better word for it <laughs> of Doctor Who. I remembered it being on our public broadcasting back in the seventies whenever I was a little kid. And, you know, like really, really, really young. And I remembered this guy with a long scarf and this blue box I just remembered. And yeah. when I started watching on Netflix or starting getting things off of Netflix back in the DVD era of Netflix, I, you know, saw some Doctor Who and I was like, OK, I'm only looking for the guy with the scarf. And I found the guy with the scarf and whatever. And I had a friend that said, you need to watch the five doctors. And my response was, no, I only want to watch the guy with the scarf. I don't want to watch those other doctors. <laughs> and he said, you do realize that was the same person. And that was the moment where the light bulb of the obsession started coming on. And it was like, okay, then I couldn't consume enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a sort of addiction to Doctor Who, I think. Um, it's, a, it's a very always want more kind of thing. Why do you think that is? I think because there's, there's a certain aspect of, you know, getting into just like someone who's living there. Um, ordinary day life and then waking up one morning and can go inside this blue box and end up on a different world. I think there's something really magical about that and it kind of captures the inner child in all of us um, because who wouldn't want to go into outer space, you know? Who wouldn't want to do that kind of thing or go back in time or go further in the future, see how well we've not done. <laughs> and, you know, I think that is one of the reasons that Doctor Who has had the longevity that it has had because you don't get stuck in, oh, well, we're in the future and we're exploring, which nothing wrong with Star Trek or anything of, of yes. any shows that do that. But, you know, you can be literally one episode in the present, next episode in the past, next episode on another world somewhere in the future. So that's it. Yeah. It's, um, it's pretty crazy how much you can bend around space and time in, in, in such a show. Yeah, and it's never in one place. Yeah, I think that's what makes it so great. So this is a loaded question, so just be prepared. Loaded question okay. here. <laughs> Who is your favorite doctor? <gasps> ah, the question. Um, honestly, 12, I think. Really? Um, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a – he's a bit of an underdog in that remark regard. Um, but I don't know. I like something about the Doctor Who. He started off very cold, very sort of not mean, but very sort of, you know, it was his way or the highway. And he developed in time to the point of as his re regenerations, one of his last uh, one of his last words in his speech was be kind. And I thought that is a full arc for this doctor. And I, and I absolutely adore it. Yeah. Um, you know, I, loved, I was. I loved all the doctors. You know, I was watching your uh, reaction to uh, Twice Upon a Time, uh, 
No, don't watch that. Yeah, I just did. Yeah. Literally like 10, 15 minutes ago. <laughs> and, you, you know, it, it, you're right. He did start out as being this uh, very uptight, almost cruel, almost mean in his demeanor to someone who was very lovable almost. Yes, yeah. Um yeah, and, and, and he had such a great arc, I think. I think like he was just I don't know, I found him very relatable in the way of someone who sees the world a little bit more you know, like the eleventh doctor saw the world as like magical and, and yeah, he had his dark moments, but he was very much the optimist. Yes. Whereas I like that the twelfth doctor went from being a pessimist to an optimist. I like there's something about that that I really connected with and I really liked. Why do you think there was such a drastic arc change in personality going from the optimist, magical 11th Doctor to this pessimistic and very reserved, uptight almost 12th Doctor? Um, I think it had a lot to do with a line in Day of the Doctor, which is where the Doctor says it's time to grow up. And I think that carried over um, into, you know, the time of the Doctor because we saw the eleventh Doctor. He was there for nine hundred years on Transalor, and or it was it was in my mind. I'm not sure it was either nine hundred or yeah. twelve hundred. No, 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 no. nine hundred. Yeah, nine hundred. Yeah. Um, he spent nine hundred years on Transalor, you know, and even at the very end of his life, he was still fun and 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 happy and excitable. Um, yes, he'd lost his memories and such, but he was still very much the Doctor. Um, and he had spent nine hundred years defending his family his his home um from from the daleks the sadmen the santarans um and i feel like in that time he's had to grow up he's had to he he the, one of the things about the doctor is he never stays in the same place once so to stay in the same place for 900 years to protect a crack in the wall is insane for the man who likes to leave whenever he gets the chance or the person who likes to leave whenever he gets the chance i should say <laughs> um and so when he regenerated into the 12th Doctor, I view it as him finally going, OK, now it's time to grow up. Now it's time to be serious. And then as he's gone on as the 12th Doctor, I feel like he's like, maybe I've been too serious and maybe I need to start. You know, he's learned to, to love again and to enjoy life again um, after what happened on Trends Law. That's how I view it anyway. Yeah, good. You know, the, very, very good. Very good summary of it. And and, and yes, that's true. Another uh, aspect could be you had a doctor who had come also to the acceptance of I have so many lives and at this this is my, this is where it ends he even says that in time of the yeah. doctor you know this this is where it ends this is the end and then be faced with not knowing and uh, yes I'm regenerating but we don't know how many regenerations he were he was given. It could be yeah. unlimited. So That's that could it. in itself have an identity crisis. Yes, definitely. Like, yeah, and he could be like thinking, I could be anyone now. You know, when he regenerated, he was like, he was thinking I could be anyone or anything. And so he became this crumpy old man. <laughs> you know, I read an article recently, and I, I wish I could tell you where I had seen it and if i find it i'll message it to you but um it was comparing the arc of the sixth doctor and the arc of the twelfth doctor and the comparison was with the twelfth doctor they got it right yes 
yeah, yeah. I think, like, I feel like the Sixth Doctor was very much... I don't know how to describe what they did, but I don't feel like in the times, that's the Doctor they needed. You know, they needed a Doctor who was maybe a little bit more eccentric, because the Fifth, while kind, wasn't exactly the most eccentric person. Um, Whereas I feel like the Sixth Doctor with his rainbow coat could have been but he was very much grounded and kind of mean almost. Right. And, you know, I think if Colin Baker would have gotten the look that he wished that he would have gotten, being almost really kind of dressed the way um, Eccleson was dressed, I think that would have fit his character a lot more. But I do agree that Doctor Who with him went a different route and may not have been exactly what you said. He wasn't the doctor we needed at that time. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Um, I feel like the times needed a doctor who was maybe a little bit more crazy um, because after, especially after the case of, well, especially after the fifth doctor's regeneration, which was quite dark, let's be honest, you saw a new person appear and then suddenly he was quite dark and, and while it's cool to see that the effects of perhaps that regeneration have affected his personality going forward, I don't think that's what the audience wanted at the time. Good point. Very good point. So you made a comment just a moment ago that I want to spin off from. You said perhaps he was not the doctor that we needed at that time. Yes. Yeah. Is she the doctor that we need at this time? She being Jodie Whittaker. And if so, why? I think she is, to be honest, because I think we need to show, in in my opinion, I think we need to show that the Doctor doesn't have to be a man to still be the Doctor. Um, We have to show that it's okay. We have to show the next generation, really, that it's okay that a woman can do anything a man can do, you know? Um, And I feel like it's going to show them that you don't have to conform to what your gender says. You know, you don't have to conform to, uh, like, the the one thing that I never understood about the Master was why they changed the name to Missy, but I kind of get it because it works and, you know, it was a cool disguise as well. I liked that a lot. Um, but I always felt like she should have been called the Master still. So I'm quite happy that they're sticking, it's still the Doctor, obviously, and it's Jodie, and I, I feel like she'll do a really good job as well. I've seen her in Broadchurch, you know, quite a few other things, Attack the Block and stuff, and she's a really good actress. So I feel like if there's an actress who can tackle it, it's her. Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, there is just something about her uh that just, she just, I don't know, I think she, I hope, here. here's what I hope happens this uh well, I, I was going to get to speculation in a moment, but but I think this is appropriate time to say it, and I'll, I'll okay. get you to respond. Here's what I hope happens in this next series. I hope we don't see returning uh, villains. I hope all the villains are new. I hope we yeah. don't have returning companions. I hope we don't have anything that will allow anybody to say, this was a great series because blah, blah came back or this person came back or they had this, you know, you know what I'm saying? I want people yeah. to say she was fantastic and it was a great series because of her. Yes, definitely. I feel like, I feel like that's why they're doing it as well. Not only for it to be a, you know, a, a new jumping on point for viewers, um, but to also say this is her season, this is her moment. We've had the, like the Daleks every single season. It's okay to let them have a break now, you know. 
<laughs> yes, agreed, agreed. And and we've just seen the Cybermen, you know, so yes. we don't need to be revisited again with the Cybermen. So let me ask you this real quick. You mentioned Missy and, and the name of, of the mistress. I, I'll give you a, a quick story. I showed someone that was uh, on up in years, I'll put it that way, and uh, much, much older than me. And I was showing the scene where saying, trying to explain that Missy and the master was the same person. And maybe this is why they called her Missy. I said, well, see, he was the master and she's the mistress. And the person said, oh, she's his mistress. Thinking, uh, you know, yes, like, yes. In, and, you know, like that being so maybe they did that to shy away from name confusion, maybe. Disgust. Possibly, yeah, possibly. I just, I, for me, I feel like it would have been fine calling her the Miss Massey. It's not like anything big, you know, it's, it didn't bother me because I think she's an absolutely incredible character. And I think Michelle Gomez portrayed the master in a way that not even John Sim could have done. But I, I mean, the harking back, I feel like there are others, especially one who, you know, sort of made the master his own. But, um, you know, I feel like Michelle Gomez did such a great job as the master. Um, yeah, she do, was, she was excellent. Do you think we've seen the last of Missy? Ah, that is always the question. Um, you know, for me, I, I don't know because like, she was so good in the part. She, she rivaled Roger Delgado in the part as the master, I feel. Um, and John Sim was so good in the part. They, they lots of the acts for the master have been really good, but, I feel like if the, if if they do come back, there'll be a a different actor portraying them. So I think it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I agree. I I would love. I mean, Missy. I just I, mean, I fell in love with Missy, and I would give anything to see Missy back. But oh, definitely, yes. But yeah. I I you know never say never because if you would have told me. A year ago that we would have seen, you know, any chance of John Sam coming back, I would have said, oh, no way. You know, we've seen the last of him. Yeah. But but, but we know that wasn't true. So um, who is your favorite companion? Donna. Oh, cool. I love Donna Noble. So tell me why. Yeah. Donna, for me, was the first companion who didn't want to have a romantic relationship with the Doctor, because obviously I'd only met Rose and Martha before that at the time. Um, she was funny. She was played by an actress that I absolutely adore. Um, and she was just she was just absolutely fantastic, And uh, to quote the Doctor. Um, and, yeah, I, I feel like there was that was a real golden era of Doctor Who with David and Catherine. Uh, as the TARDIS duo, I feel like we got some of the best stories, Midnight, Silence in the Library. Um, it was it was truly phenomenal. And, I, you know, I, I feel like after the Unicorn and the Wasp, there's a really solid run of episodes that I don't think is, I feel like it was unparalleled till Series 9 at least. Oh, I agree. And, you know, my two series that I would consider out of, you know, what people call New Who, are the my favorite series would have to be series four and series ten. There was just something to me about Bill Potts that was just so refreshing. Yeah, I I think the good thing about series ten, which I don't think I've ever been able to say about a series before, is that there wasn't a bad episode. So, what would you consider the w baddest 
episode that you've seen in New Who? Oh, man. Okay, so I've got three, and all of them have their merits, I feel, but Sleep No More, because it had a great premise, but it, the execution was poor. Um, then there was... My mind has just gone completely blank. <laughs> then there was The Rings of Akatan. Okay. Um, that was a really mediocre mediocre story in my mind, but with an incredible speech at the end. Um, and, and of course, the, the one, the only love of monsters. Um, that one, I remember laughing as a kid. I, I loved that episode as a kid. I, I thought it was really funny. Um, when they were chasing the monster with the bucket, I absolutely adore, I still adore that sequence to this day, actually. Um, but I feel like for me, the bucket chasing it it's like a really small scene where the doctor like stops in the middle of the hall he's like oh hello um and the the speech actually save it so i'm gonna say sleep no more because i i just feel like the premi was was great but the execution was poor all right so it's interesting that you said that because uh what we're currently doing um on this show is we're we're going back before series 11 starts and we started in January with series one and we're right now right before the two-part finale of series two and the last two episodes that we've done have been the uh episode sleep no more I mean not, not excuse me love and monsters and fear her love yes. and monsters it was weird I went into it thinking okay, I'm going to hate this episode. And it wasn't as bad as I remembered it, but Fear Her, I had a top five of things that I liked in the episode, and they were The Doctor, The the TARDIS, Rose, The Opening Credits, and The Closing Credit. I, I just, Fear Her to me was so, oh, it was just boring. Really? You, you weren't that much of a... Didn't I don't enjoy it that much. I don't know why, but what was funny was whenever I was giving it a rating, I was going to give it a one, and then I said, no, if I had to compare it to Sleep No More, I would give it uh, a five, so I gave it a two. Yeah, that's it. Um, I mean, like, Fear Her for me, I, I liked it because I liked the... Once again, I liked the premise. Yes, the execution failed, but there's something so creepy to me. And it wasn't when I was a kid and I was re-watching it, like, not too long ago. And it still creeped me out. There's something so creepy about, I feel like, the imagination, uh, which is something Anthony Hopkins once... Uh, not Anthony Hopkins. No, that's an actor. Um, my mind's gone. I can't think of his name. Um, so there's someone I'll yell at me in the comment section who I meant. Uh, <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock, there we go. Well, why oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And he was like, um, the imagination is so much worse than what anything can be put on camera. And so I loved the moment where you saw the shadow from the drawing of Chloe's dad uh, coming yes. towards the stair, and it freaks me out to this day. I'm, I get freaked out. So I had to give it a little bit more credit than than what I know a lot of people get it because there's something about that scene that really just gives me the chills and I don't know it just really creeps me out you know interesting that you said that because and I'm not trying to date your age or you know and and put you in an age category mm. but you said yourself that when you were you know first starting to watch it you were like you know 10 11 12 years old right yeah yeah definitely. you know it's interesting that the people who have rated it higher were when it originally aired 
either you know the age you were or in their early teens or mid teens but, but it it didn't have an appreciation as much from older people than it yeah. did and i think it's because we become as we get older a little bit more jaded and and your imagination is so much more in tune when you're younger perhaps oh, definitely definitely 100% um but i i find i find it's crazy that that was 13 years ago and i'm still talking about it now you know it's like 13 years ago i started watching doctor who and now I'm here, still talking about Doctor Who. That shows that the show has had so much longevity, and I think it's brilliant. Well, imagine with Peter Capaldi, you are a child writing in to your favorite uh, TV show saying, hey, I'm yes. such a fan. And then you become decades, not years, but decades later, you become that character. That's it. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy. And I think it's brilliant, but it is it is crazy that that is the case, you know? Um, but I feel like with, with, with Doctor Who in, in general, there's a sort of openness and, and especially now with Jodie taking on, there's like, anyone can play this part. You just have to, you just have to believe. And I think that's what's great about Doctor Who. It gets you to believe in something that's perhaps a little bit crazy and a little bit silly, but all in all, it really does inspire so many people. I wouldn't be doing YouTube if it wasn't for Doctor Who. So you have to sort of give it that credit. And I would not be doing podcasting if it were not for Doctor Who. So a credit, double double credit. Definitely. So before we move on from Doctor Who, because I've got some other topics that I want to talk to you about, I, I have a question about one of the uh, reactions to Series 10 that you did. And it is uh, at the very end of The Doctor Falls, there is basic you video because you are speechless. You, and literally, there is about a 10 or 15 second time span before you speak that you are sitting there speechless. What was going through your head at that point? I mean, that gap is actually like 40, 50 seconds long. I had to cut some of it out. Like, <laughs> legitimately, I actually did. Oh, wow. Okay, um, cool. Because yeah. I just sat there. I was like, I had no, my, my face was just like a mask. I was just, uh, it was just shock. I did not know what was going on. Like, the moment... You hear, hello, is someone there? And you're like, it was this. It was coming about now. And um, then I just I just sort of heard, I, you know, as he gets closer and then he says the line and everything. I was my, I was just like, no, I don't. It doesn't compute. I don't understand what's happening. Um, yeah, it was either going to be one of two things. I was either going to jump out the window in, like, in excitement or I was just going to sit here completely still. And, and luckily for me, I sat here completely still. Um but yeah, I, I feel like I was just like, I was watching reaction compilations back with like other, other YouTubers like Liam Carson and such. And they were all like, oh, wow. I'm just like, not moving. <laughs> just like totally shocked. I was like, yeah, that's, that is 100% me. Oh, that is cool. So what do you think? How do you think Bradley did as the first doctor? I think Bradley did brilliant with the writing he was given. Um, there are a few things about the first Doctor that I didn't quite understand, like the the little sexist comments and stuff, because I feel like that Doctor, uh, you know, he's still a 400-year-old alien at that point, so I, I kind of feel like he'd be past that, but I don't know. It was I feel like Brad, uh, Bradley did such an amazing job as the first Doctor, but I did have a few qualms with that, yeah. Yeah, uh, we did too when we were reviewing that. We basically said the same thing. It was almost like you chose to 
hit us over the head with the sexist remarks, maybe to say, this is why the doctor is now a woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it just felt very strange that the first doctor would be like that. You know, um, I mean, I, I remember when he, I remember that line where he said, I'll give you a good, a jolly good smack bottom, um, is actually from the, one of the first episodes of Doctor Who. Um, but I don't really remember him apart from that being ever like that. So for me, it was just, it was just odd. That was all it was. It was just odd. Yeah. And it's also, you know, I'm not saying that's a, that comment is okay, but if he's saying it to Susan and that's his granddaughter, it's almost just a little bit more okay than it is saying it to Bill. Yeah. Creepy to Bill. <laughs> yes, creepy to Bill. Yeah. <laughs> but but comic with the way that the Twelfth Doctor uh, responded to it. So you got to give him credit there. So You do. You definitely, definitely do. Yes. So, uh, so I have a question before we get into the other topics, which is when you are on video and you know that you are reacting and you're letting your emotions you know you're spreading your emotions to everyone or you're exposing your emotions raw emotions to public how does that feel to you knowing that people are seeing you cry people are seeing you happy people are seeing you mad people are seeing you fill in the blank it is very strange uh i feel like the worst time um that i really experienced that was when uh people at work found my videos that was that was like okay this got a lot more personal because the thing about me now is that when i'm watching a tv show um on my own even in a room without without filming or anything i'll just be like what are you doing what and then i'll be like oh i'm reacting i'm actually i'm actually just doing it you know i'm 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 speaking naturally now out because I've gotten so used to the idea of someone watching me constantly that I always have to verbalize what I'm thinking. Um, so for me, when when someone comes up to me and like when I went to RTX London last year, which is a big convention which um, promotes ch- videos like Ruby, uh, which is a really great show. Um, and, and people came up to me like, oh, we were so upset when you were crying at this scene. And I was like, it's strange. But it's not a bad feeling because I feel like if you can't cry and if you can't show that you're, you, you, you have emotions, then there's, there's, you know, there's no point in doing it. And yeah, you do get a lot of comments that say like, oh, you're totally fake and stuff like that. And I'm like, trust me, the amount of tissues I go through, I wouldn't be paying these, these <laughs> tissue bills if it was fake. I'm sorry, but I just, I'm just, I'm a, yeah, I'm a big baby when it comes to stuff like that. Like you put a dog advert on TV and I'm start crying because that's just what I do. <laughs> so um, you, I'm glad you said that because you made me feel better because there is a show and, and I have always had no problem saying to anyone, you know, I am what I call my losing it moment, meaning uh, that I basically started crying. And that has happened a lot of times with Doctor Who. But yes. thanks to Jessica, uh, she kind of prompted me along with my co-host on discussing who, uh, Clarence Brown prompted me to start watching The Walking Dead. And oh, I right, started yeah. watching The Walking Dead in November after talking with Jessica back in October. And since that time, since November, I am already yesterday. I watched series seven or the beginning of series seven. Right. And without giving away spoilers to anybody 
who has not seen Series 7, the first episode especially. I watched your reaction after yesterday having my own, and I promise you, this is the first time I have ever been physically sick to my stomach, not because of what I've seen, but because of what have, what has happened watching yeah. television. What was your thought going in or a- after watching without any, you know, like spoilers of what happened? What was your thoughts or your, your, after you finished watching and you stopped uh, the video? And you had to process what had happened. What were your thoughts? It was, for me, it was kind of, I mean, it was incredibly intense and incredibly crazy. But it was like one thing after another after another. I mean, at the very beginning, there's some really gut-wrenching scenes. Um, like, ridiculously gut-wrenching scenes. And then it, it slopes off for a little bit, but it never sort of eases up. And then there's a scene about, I won't ruin it for anyone, but there's a scene about three quarters towards the end of the way through, which involves a hand axe. And it was like, for me, it was like, I could have been actually sick in that moment. I was like, this is, this is really, really messed up. And honestly, it was, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, I tend to cry more when it's very emotional, whereas this was very disturbing and twisted and we didn't really get much chance for an emotional sort of moments in those scenes because it was such a fast-paced episode um but it was it was really crazy to be honest so for me yes i agree with everything you just said to start with so yesterday for me it was all it was a little bit different because between friday night and uh yesterday i watched pretty much all of series six maybe i had already seen one episode so i watched about you know a marathon of of at least 10 to 11 episodes leading up to that. So, you, you know, I knew something was coming. I knew something bad was coming. I just didn't quite know what, you know, so I was even with kind of braced for it. I promise you, I had, I would say, one of the worst breakdowns that I think I have ever had over watching something. And I don't think I have ever been so mad at one single character five or 10 minutes after meeting them that I was, cause I could have jumped through the TV and like took that bat and did worse than he could have ever have done. I was that, Ooh, I was that furious. Yeah. So how did you get uh, over that? Because I literally said yesterday, I'm not watching this anymore. I am too ticked off. I am not watching this. How did you get over that? I'm not sure I am over that. For reasons I cannot disclose, as you are not caught up. <laughs> okay. Well, um, but I'm not over it still to this to this day. I feel like it was the most brutal thing I've ever seen on television, to be honest. Um, but but uh, bar some Game of Thrones scenes, obviously that show is disgustingly disgusting sometimes. Um, but there, I mean, in a great way. Um, but there are, yeah, it was incredibly brutal, and I feel like it just. It, I'm still not over it. I'm really not. Yeah. Me, me, I don't think I will get over that, to, to be brutally honest, because, you know, I, if, if, if you're watching something where you know there is a zombie attack at any moment, you know, don't get too attached to characters because they could die at any moment. I get that. But you still do. And, but you still do. And I still yeah. did. And yeah. then, but there was just something about that yesterday. That was, I don't know, you just, the only, the only 
word that I could give is the writers literally just violated the audience in some horrible <laughs> way. It's you know? true. But I feel like what's worse is when you have the season six cliffhanger and then have to wait six oh, months. Yeah, I could see that. Very yeah. much see that. Yeah. So, so it's interesting that you said what you did about violence and so forth, as in a la Game of Thrones. Speculation for a moment. Who will sit mm-hmm. on the, who will sit upon the Iron Throne? I, I'm gonna say something very unpopular. I believe it will be Arya Stark wearing Jon Snow's face. Ooh. Just because that feels the twisted way of Game of Thrones. And Arya is my favorite character. And if she dies, that will be my most terrific reaction ever. I will, I will not cope well. <laughs> Okay, I I could go there. I love Arya. I, I I absolutely love her. Um, I'm going to say that kind of a, a big middle finger to all the fans. The person sitting on the Iron Throne is on the last episode. The Iron Throne will be in ruins. No one will be sitting upon it. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that could be totally good um, because then it would be totally like you've spent your entire um, series building up to this moment that never happened. Yes. So, yeah. Um, I suppose it's, you know, right now we've got more pressing concerns with the wall and things near around the wall. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, and what do you think about their decision to pretty much take that last series and make us wait a whole year to see it? Honestly, I'm not too upset because I know when it comes back, it's going to be absolutely phenomenal. I know that this show actually cannot let us down now. I don't feel like it can. I feel like it's been done in such a way that I feel like season seven for me with it had quite a lack of death. I know that sounds strange for a show, but when you when you come to expect so much death, it had quite a lack of it. Um, we did we did get some great character deaths, but it wasn't what we're used to. So I feel like season eight is going to be the bloodbath that uh, we all deserve. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, yes. I mean, if this is the end, then yes, there's going to be a lot of ends. So what would you consider your favorite moment so far in Game of Thrones? Um. Oh, I mean, there are so many. Most of them are with Arya because, like I say, she is my spirit animal. Um. But I feel which is kind of weird to have a murderous psychopath as a spirit animal. <laughs> but um, I feel like my, my favorite scene is definitely... Probably the first episode of season seven with the, the moment at the, uh, at the end with the, uh, Walder Frey and his children. So, um, cause that went really well for him. So yes. Okay. So my favorite moment that I would have to say would be at the part where again with Arya, where she is put on trial by her family. And how that trial with her family played out was one of my oh yes moments. <laughs> yes, that was that was a pretty cool moment, especially the little smile when uh, the tables are turned and she gives the little smile that says, "Yeah, you didn't think that was going to how it went, but it did go that way." Yeah. I was incredibly worried in that entire sequence. I have to be honest. <laughs> yes, because I was thinking sister was getting a little power power hungry herself and i was very worried so yes i agree with you there yeah so i have a question uh switching genres a bit into the world of comic books with the inhumans i noticed that there were only three of the eight 
uh, reactions, you know, to the episodes. Question: How did how did you how did you like Inhumans overall? Uh, I don't know how it end, ended because I gave up on it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not something I do with many shows. I'll be honest; I don't usually give up. Well, I will tell you this: I watched it, and it was it was oh, it was painful to just watch. It really was. Uh, I couldn't do it. I yeah, couldn't do it. Yeah, I, I I don't blame you. It. Imagine taking a movie that was two hours and making it into a 10 hour, um, oh. yeah, that's pretty much, uh, in my opinion, what they did. And it just wasn't good. So where do you think they went wrong within humans? They made it. <laughs> Ooh, good um, one. I, I, I feel like we all have to look at the same thing that went wrong with Iron Fist and it was the same director. Um, they rushed it through. They, you know, they hired a good cast, but failed to sort of deliver on, on what should have been a really excellent premise. The costumes looked ridiculous. And honestly, I don't think there is anything harder than having a leading man who can't speak. Agreed. I feel like that was such a disadvantage for the audience because we don't know what he's thinking. We don't know what he's feeling. Um, and, and yeah, and especially that actor, he always used to look angry all the time. And it was like, well, well, I mean, I could understand why you're angry. You can't speak without killing people, but still it's, you know, it was, it was, it was just a really weird program. There were some good things. Um, but the, the, the negative things vastly outweighed them. Well, you had also, you, I mean, look, you had, um, the guy that played Ramsey Bolton as Maximus and exactly. it still yeah. didn't work. No, no. There was just something very, I don't know. It was just very much, a lot of the actors seem very stiff. A lot of the characters seem very one dimensional. Um, um, yeah, I got to about episode five or six and I just gave up because I, I couldn't put myself through it. It was painful to watch, to be honest. And then I started like reading the reviews, um, just to like see if it got any better and, and it didn't get any better from the sounds of it. Yeah. Anytime, you know, uh, it, it's almost writing on the wall when you begin your reaction with saying, I'm about to react to this, regardless of how bad the reviews are that I've seen and heard. Yeah. I mean, there are some shows that I'll give a chance to, and then there are other shows where I'm like, I just can't do this. And it was one of those shows where I was like, I was sat there, I was looking at the camera, I was going, uh, and I knew my audience were looking back going, uh, and we're like, uh, so there was just literally, I had nothing nice to say about it. And I was always brought up that if you didn't have anything nice to say, you shouldn't say anything at all. <laughs> Yep. Agreed. Agreed. So good point. So tell me, let's go the positive route because you also react to other uh, comic book properties. So tell me which ones would you say have been best adapted or are your favorite? Mm. In in any show, in any. Yeah. Um, in any comic book related property like uh, The Walking Dead. Okay. The Walking Dead has, has done a phenomenal job. That, that don't get me wrong. You're not caught up, and I can't speak of a few things, and they they fucked up on in some regards. But for, sorry, am I allowed to swear? I just swear. <laughs> no, you're good. So, uh, so in the comic property, how they have transferred into the television property, and which ones are your favorite? 
Look, yeah. what about the DC? How well do you think they have done specifically on the CW? The CW, they've done great, much better than they've done in film, I think. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy Arrow. I really enjoy Legends of Tomorrow. The Flash and Supergirl have lost me a little bit at the moment um, because I feel like they have... Supergirl had a really great villain this year, which was definitely a plus, but it got weighed down by a little bit too much emotional relationship drama, I feel. Um, whereas The Flash had a really good ensemble, but with a really bad villain who didn't really show up properly with, like, actual abilities until the very end. So I, I feel like they're, they're doing pretty well, whereas when you look at the film universe, you got Wonder Woman, and then you got everything else. <laughs> so why do you think that Marvel Cinematic versus the DC Cinematic, where, where do you think Marvel went right? Where do you think DC went wrong? Um... I think there's two things that DC. I don't. I don't. They. they you know. They. They've started pumping out some good movies. Like I enjoyed Justice League. I. I loved Wonder Woman and Aquaman. If I can get over my fear of sharks, I'm sure I'll enjoy it. Um, <laughs> but I feel like Marvel took their time, and I feel like that really paid off. Um, instead of throwing all these characters at us at once, it was Iron Man, and then it was the Hulk, and it was Iron Man again. You know. So they took their time with it. Yeah, and you're right. You didn't try to, in one movie, build a universe that the other had spent, you know, eight, ten years building. That's it. The only the only Marvel film I can accuse of trying to do that was Age of Ultron. Um, apart from that, yeah, I totally agree. I feel like Age of Ultron with the Thor sequences, I have no idea what was going on there at all. <laughs> so what did you think of, Did or did you see Batman versus Superman? Yeah, that was three hours of my life. I'll never get back. <laughs> uh, it was... I, I know some people like it, but I was just absolutely bored out of my entire brain. There was no humor. There was no... It, even in films that don't have humor but have action, it, it was just CGI madness until, weirdly enough, Gal Gadot shows up and it's like, yeah, she's amazing. She's a really good actress, um, which I think surprised a lot of people. Um, but yeah, apart from Wonder Woman, I have never heard more of a stupid reason of breaking up a fight than it. Oh, my mom's name's Martha too. <laughs> like, what? Uh, what is that even about? Okay, just so you know, your brownie points just like went from have whatever high number they were already at to like, uh, you know, through the roof right there. Because uh, we call that around here the Martha moment. And I hate the Martha moment. And I have said before that the only reason I did not get up and walk out of Batman versus Superman were two words. And that was called Wonder Woman. Yep. And the other part of that was, uh, we have another name, and feel free to use it uh, if you like. I call it Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Boredom. Yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. Just like, I feel like even, like even the sky was gray in that film, you know? It was just so dark and dull, and I'm not, I don't want to come out of a, a superhero film depressed, unless, of course, you know you for some reason want to gather a glove with all the stones and wipe out half the universe, but who would do that? So yeah, it was for me, it was, it was just like, there was no emotion. We didn't know Batman really very well. And he's beating up Superman who we also don't know very well. Cause they've only given him one film. It's just, 
it's just been a rush and a dark rush and you only have to look at Suicide Squad to realize the rush that they they they've tried to push these movies through. Yeah. And then when you think it's all over Wonder Woman shows up and you're like, "Okay, finally something good." Well, you, you know, you you go back to saying that there had been one, you know, movie with Superman and you know, call him a big boy scout if you will, but as much as I love Wonder Woman, if Wonder Woman were to kill an adversary in her movie. Honestly, I could kind of wrap my head around that because she is an Amazon. She is a warrior. You, yeah. you can put that into her character. Whereas yeah. Superman, that's kind of the ideal that you're supposed to live up to. And you have Superman yeah. killing somebody. Yeah. yeah. It's the, uh, it's the American dream of 2018 <laughs> Superman now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, um, wh- what other show that I have not mentioned is a personal favorite of yours when it comes to reaction? Oh, wow. Well, Ruby, um, by Rooster Teeth. That's a really great show. If you like a show that starts off really funny and then gets really dark and emotional, um, uh, other shows, Winona Earp is fantastic. Um, that's, that's, that's a really, really good show, Winona Earp. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Agents of Shield. Now that is a show that is that is a, a magnificent show. Um, there are so many. The hundreds. Yeah, pretty much everything I'm reacting to right now. To be honest. Cool. Um, yeah, it's just so so much goodness. <laughs> so if you were to tell me, um, just in a nutshell, Winona Earp is something. You know, I know it, it, it was a comic and all of that, but but just in a nutshell, what is Winona Earp? Winona Earp is um, the story of a girl who has been away from her home for a very long time, and she returns to find out that she is the heir of Wyatt Earp, and she has to basically use this magical weapon, this gun that can kill demons and she basically has to kill i think it's like a hundred demons that live within the town called purgatory and um it's a really great really diverse show um with a very strong female lead and and i know a lot of people say oh she's a strong female lead and and they're like oh yeah she's like she's like oh she's like a, a woman acting like a dude that's not it at all she's a woman acting like a woman who's gonna kick your ass <laughs> and and it's it's just a really great really funny show and yeah it's just fantastic good deal good deal yeah all right well uh i told you that we would take about an hour of your time and it is approaching the top of the hour so alex if there were a way that you would like to let people know how to find out more about the Torchwood Boy channel. Or actually, you know what? I have one more question that, oh, that okay. before I do that, which is what has been or being a part of your channel? What has been the best experience and what has your channel taught you? Um, I have. My, my, I mean, the best thing my channel's ever done for me is giving me so many friends from such a brilliant, beautiful community. Jess, Liam, Brianna, Anthony, so many people that I could name. Simon, Joey, Avalon, Lauren. Um, yeah, there's just, there's just, I could name so many different people, um, who have, who have really come into my life. But I feel like my best experience was definitely at Arctic London where I finally, finally, got to meet some of the people who watch my videos and just hearing that, you know, I can really cheer them up and stuff. It was just, it was, it was really great. And I think 
if I've taken anything away from being on the internet, it's that the vocal minority are always much louder than the majority of happy people. And um, you have to just keep going no matter what uh, the, the vocal minority say. You just have to keep going and keep pushing on and just try your best. And that's all you can do. Cool beans. All right. So back to my question that I said just a moment ago, if people were wanting to find out more about your channel, how could they do that? Um, you can find me on YouTube uh, as Tortured Boy. You can find me on Twitter as my friend Alex015, uh, on Instagram as Tortured Boy. And yeah, we I do links to like YouTube videos on there. On Twitter is the main place I sort of promote YouTube. Um, and yeah, you can just find me. We're currently re- reacting to 10 shows a, a week at the moment. It's going to drop down because I've had to cancel a couple um, due to some issues. But uh, apart from that, yeah, I'm, I'm always on YouTube nearly every day. So come check us out. All right, good deal. And we will also put a link to your site on our website and oh, thank you. Uh, you can also anyone listening find all of those links on our show notes and the uh, podcast show notes so for anyone listening we appreciate your time and be sure to subscribe to alex on youtube and also be sure to check out the discussing network on youtube and subscribe there as well so alex again thank you for your time we appreciate having you on and we hope to have you on again Again soon. Yes, thank you so much. All right, and for anyone listening, we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that?